can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Um, hi, Matt. Hey, Joe. How do you reckon your tactic of not telling people whether or not I'll be on these episodes is working? I think it's going quite well. I think they're, you know, waiting with bated breath to see whether they're going to hear Hannah's voice. Let's keep it a secret as to when Hannah's coming back. Could be yeah. next episode. Could, could, be. Be. could be could be next episode yeah. so for now i'm a necessary evil i'm here on the podcast um <laughs> hey I'm thinking, someone wrote a review saying matthew is a hun yes <laughs> so cute. which is very nice but they you know they also made it very clear that they're like don't get me wrong we would rather hannah back yeah. but Matt, <laughs> matt's fine doing fine for now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe I was getting from that. Um, I'm thinking if I'm on for another episode or so, maybe to like uh, cool down the anger um, from the listeners is we should let a listener come onto the podcast and sort of like hash it out with me one on one and you can sort of mediate it. Someone sent me a DM the other day though saying that you had a really sexy voice. And I had to screenshot that and send it to you as a little bit of an affirmation that you're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Joe. You were quick to put me down after that, but uh, I think we'll yeah, leave that part Yeah, I had to out. bring you back down. You went too high. <laughs> yeah. I had to level you out a little bit. God forbid. Um, but while I am here, Joe, I wanted mm. to ask your opinion on something. Um, mm-hmm. Because... You know what? It's been hot. In Melbourne, it's been like 30 degrees for seven days straight and it's going to be 30 degrees for another seven days, something like that. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, I'm not into it. And I don't have like air conditioning in my room like you do. Mm. I Mm. have a fan though, but I've got the fan. It's not like a fan that um, stands by itself on the ground. It's like a fan Uh, that I have to have on my bedside table. uh, So it's like literally right next to my face. I'm talking like within like a, 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 a foot. The distance, um, mm. and I've got that blast and all night straight onto my face. Is mm. that going to cause any skincare concerns? Because I do know that I've since learned that it can make you feel a bit sick in the morning in terms of like. Yes. I, I've been waking up every morning being like, okay, I definitely have COVID, a hundred percent. But it's because I got that fan <laughs> blast in my face. Hattie and I literally do that every day because we both leave our aircons on all night because the upstairs of our house gets so hot you can't yeah. even turn the aircon off. It just turns to like forty degrees straight away. Yeah. And every day we wake up, we're like, today's the day. It's it's taking us down. And then. <laughs> <laughs> An hour later, you're fine. Um, I do definitely think there's the potential for it to dry out your skin for sure. Um, but if you've got a moisturizer on, that should be forming a little bit of a barrier to all that air. But you, if it is like eight hours, it definitely could be drying out your skin. Like if you find you're drier or a little bit more dehydrated, that could definitely be why. You know what you should have? You should have the Aven thermal spring water by your bed. So that when you get hot during the night, you can just sit up, spritz yourself with that. It is the most refreshing thing. Do you do that? Yeah. Oh, no, not by my bed because my room's really cold when I've got the aircon on. But I oh, would yeah. do that if I got home and I was really hot. I just, I go nuts with that stuff. 
That's it's a just great water. Idea. It's bougie water, but it's it's so cooling. I reckon you should have that. You could even put it behind the fan, and it would be like those things at the Australian Open. Those like misting <laughs> yeah. things. No, that's what I was thinking. Like maybe <laughs> I should have like a, a constant misting thing blowing onto me while I'm yeah, sleeping. You should. Um, but I just think it's like it's definitely doing some damage because with my new cat. Mm. Which, by the way, I've gone with the name Joni. We don't have to stay mm. on that if you don't want. We can just quickly yeah, go over that really quickly if that's going to go make past me mad. that. Yeah, I yeah. have like a bit of allergies from it, and mm. I'm struggling to breathe through my nose at nighttime. So I'm just like breathing straight up through my mouth, oh. facing a fan. <laughs> no wonder like, you feel like you have COVID every morning. Far <laughs> 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 out. Yeah, uh, Joe. What's on today's episode? Um, today we're talking about sun exposure myths with Dr. Shamala Gunathesan. She's been on the podcast before. Um, and then we're talking to our gal Megzi from our team about bridal makeup, uh, all the things that you should have on hand if it's your wedding or things that you might need to have if you're a bridesmaid. Um, and also like wedding fragrances and stuff like that. So if you're getting married, definitely an episode to listen to and our products you didn't know you needed. We didn't know we needed. We Why did I say you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> How many times have I done that? <laughs> So today we are talking about, I think I want to say sun exposure myths with a repeat guest, Dr. Shamala Gunathesan from Ode Dermatology. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me again. It's always fun. Our pleasure. So I wanted to speak to you about something that's really been bugging me because I'm big on TikTok. I love TikTok, but there's something that really annoys me about it and it is the lack of sun safety. There is so many young girls on there just burning themselves to a crisp. There's this um, mouth spray at the moment that's meant to accelerate your tan. So I really want to talk about that to start with. So there's some ingestible tanning products on the market, like tanning pills, or I think it's called Milana Tan, the, the injections. And then there's this mouth spray that's come out. And I've seen the brand like commenting when people have been like, oh, is this safe? And they're like, yeah, it's perfectly safe and healthy. So I want to talk about that. What is the risk in those kind of like artificial, I suppose, tanning products? I guess the, the starting line should be probably that it is unregulated and it is illegal, really. Mm. So uh, you bring up a whole host of problems in that kind of um, aspect. You don't know who's making it, how, what the studies are, all of that. But really, in a nutshell, melanotan is just alpha um, melanocyte stimulating hormone. So you can either spray it up your nose, normally you inject it subcutaneously into your fat, and that's meant to get your melanocytes to produce more pigment um, and make you tan better. It definitely works. It's funny when I was asked to talk about this topic because I actually did the initial clinical research in 2006. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, Clinuval, a, a Melbourne company, actually um, has investigated this for years for people with like a genetic deficiency where you burn in the sun, you know, something mm-hmm. called erythropoietic porphyria. So we made it medically for people who can't tan or people who really are so sun sensitive, but, you know, TikTok and the world of advertising has taken it on for the everyday person to get a bigger tan. So it works, but it's just so, um, you know, as a dermatologist, the problem is that we have patients coming in, having these um, products ingested or sniffed up, all of that. But what makes it really hard for us is that the moles get darker, you know, you mm. get weird darkening of pigmentation, you know, the tools that we would normally use 
microscope examination of moles get skewed because you've got these kind of crazy deposition of pigment and mm. you know melanin so it's it's hard there has been a few case reports of melanomas turning up in patients who've had these kind of um, ingestibles or injections so it, it is quite worrying you know how mm. far would you go for a tan What's wrong yeah. with a fake tan or just looking, know. you know, rosy or... I was uh, walking along the beach at Torquay the other day. I was with my mum and there was these girls like lying um, right near us and they were very fair skinned. And my mum said, you need to go and have a talk to those girls. <laughs> and I thought, they'll learn, they'll get a serious sunburn and they'll be regretting that. Um, so speaking of that, that kind of deepening of the tan, following on, can you tell us what a tan represents at a cellular level? What's actually happening to the skin when it does go darker? So two things, really. You've got the immediate um, tanning effect where, you know, you get a bit of UVB and you actually get that darkening effect. And then you've got the delayed effect, which comes on probably a day later. Mm -hmm. The first steps that happen when you get a tan is that, you know, UVB or any kind of UV radiation, you get, get it on your epidermis and your body goes, oh, okay, let's just kind of get all the troops involved. So you've got your melanocytes, which sits at the bottom of the epidermis, the basal layer. And what happens is that the melanocytes actually start releasing all their pigment, melanin, from the melanosomes up into the um, epidermis. So you've got pigment kind of um, trafficked from the bottom layer to the mid layer. And that's how you get that darkening effect. So, you know, people always ask me, you know, is a tan protective? Yes, it's protective for your next kind of sunburn or sun exposure. But ideally, you don't want that. Mm. Because you every time you get a tan, it actually tells us that you've had a bit of DNA damage. So mm. that's the problem, you know, like, you yes, it might slough off in four weeks, but you've kind of given your stem cells or your mother cells in your skin little micro DNA damage, which is going to age you. It's going to you know make you more prone to skin cancer. So it's mm-hmm. it, it's I, I think it's a tough thing. Like I am actually pro some sun exposure. Like you do need sun exposure, but and it's different for each one of us. So someone of a, you know, type six Fitzpatrick skin where Mm. you've got that um, really dark hue and you can tan so easily, you might be in the sun for one or two hours to actually get enough vitamin D. But, you Mm. know, if you're fair and you've got redhead, a lot of freckles, you just need five, ten minutes. So you've got to kind Mm. of work that out so that you make your vitamin D, you feel good. And the real benefit is to get just a bit of regular, you know, mild to moderate exposure as opposed to those burns. Yeah. I think most of us would remember that um, ad where it said like um, tanning is skin cells in trauma. I always remember that when I, whenever even I get like a little bit of colour on my shoulders and I've been wearing sunscreen, but because my skin can tan, even if I'm wearing sunscreen and I've been out for a walk or something, I'll still kind of get a tan line there. And I always think that I'm like, yeah. tanning is skin cells in trauma because <laughs> I spent so much of my I like know. teen years and early 20s sunbaking and going to solariums. And now that's just traumatized me. <laughs> sun is addictive, you know, it's very hard to kind of, I almost say put in a little alarm on your clock, you know, so then, you know, on your phone. So you're out there for really just 10 minutes and you're not going to mm. get sucked into being there unprotected 
or um, you know, not reapplying your sunscreen. Even just hanging the washing out, like that would take me 10 minutes. And if you aren't wearing sunscreen in that time, like obviously that's cumulative as well, but you know, that could be enough to get your sun exposure for the day, I suppose. Um, so I wanted to run through a couple of myths that I hear quite regularly or a few comments that I hear regularly. Matt, maybe you want to do the first one. Yeah. There's a great as well because these all just kind of sound like just something I would have said a few months <laughs> yeah. ago. All these myths. So um, once I get a base tan, I don't really need to wear sunscreen. Is that true or false? Absolutely not true. So a base tan, I guess a base tan would provide you some little bit of protection for your next kind of burn but you know it's it anyway it sloughs off in four weeks um and ultimately nothing beats sunscreen and just you know properly woven clothing that gives you some protection factor Mm. uh what about i've got olive skin i don't need to wear sunscreen also false because Um, we've all kind of got, you know, various genes that make up our skin colour. So you could be olive skin, but you could have a mix of, you know, uh, more lighter skin types that predispose Mm. you to skin cancer. And ultimately, you know, sun protection is not just about, you know, getting a tan. It's also the exposure where you get DNA damage, ageing, pigmentation, laxity. Um, and skin cancer, so no. Mm-hmm. If you wear sunscreen all the time, you won't get enough of vitamin D. So that is interesting because you do need UVB exposure for vitamin D production. So you, you know, if you think about most sunscreens, you know, protect you against UVB. But the issue is, if you're out there for long enough, you will have UVB still kind of getting through your sunscreen. I mean, you've mm. mentioned how you know you get those tan lines on your sleeve. So the, the the safest way is probably to put protection on, sun protection, and then get some, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of sun exposure. You will still make it. Interesting, though, there are um, research papers showing that if you've got a tan, then you're actually not making as much vitamin D because ah. you're not getting as much UVB. Ah, yes. So for those who, you know, brandish the tan for more vitamin D, you can go, mm. hey, hey. <laughs> Well, I actually had blood tests recently because I thought, oh, it'll probably come back saying I'm low in vitamin D because I do wear sunscreen a lot and I avoid like, I guess, deliberate sun exposure from going for a walk or something. Obviously can't help that, but I don't lay out in the sun. Um, But my levels came back fine. So obviously I'm getting enough of that incidental sun exposure, even with sunscreen on and not really going out in the sun that much. So um, yeah, as you said, you really only need that little bit and you're probably going to be fine. Does it matter where you're getting the sun exposure to get that vitamin D? Like if you're just getting sun exposure on like your hands or something, are you getting the vitamin D that will service your whole body Mm -hmm. or do you need to get it in like particular areas? No, I guess you want to go for um, the largest area so it's quick. You don't want to be there for too long so you don't get that burn. Um, Mm -hmm. There is research to show that we've got more vitamin D receptors on our trunk. So that's interesting. It, It always kind of caught my eye because, you know, I previously I would just kind of get my hands and forearms and face exposed but now I might intentionally get something on my back and all this you know it's taken very much you know in a person's circumstance if you've had a history of melanoma a strong family history you've got lots of weird moles dysplastic moles you would not be you know getting exposed on your back so Mm. um, for the average person if you could time it and position where you want to get your sunscreen I would recommend I mean your sun exposure get it on your back and chest 
Um, and another myth for you, I wear SPF 50 when I'm sunbaking, so it's fine. <laughs> well, it's better than not wearing it. Um, but the question I would say, uh, the, the real point is, um, why are you doing that DNA damage? And yeah. are you reapplying the sunscreen and all of that? So I guess this is, mm. I think people know the answer to this, but mm. you just want to hear it. It's very much, I think, an aesthetic thing because this younger age group, uh, obviously they're very youthful and thinking about those, I guess, ageing consequences that come from sun exposure, they're not really thinking about that yet. They're just like, oh, I want to be like tanned and it you know, makes me look better and whatever that mindset is. And then they get to kind of their late 20s and go, oh, okay, maybe that was a mistake that I did that when I was 19 to 25. But it definitely is just, I think, an aesthetic thing. Thing. And especially on TikTok, I'm just like, oh, and they all in the comments are like, oh my God, your tan lines. <laughs> That's traumatizing me. Please stop. <laughs> I know. And I guess it's a real problem because research shows that, you know, that kind of intense exposure before the age of 30 really impacts your skin cancer risk down the track. So yeah. it's those crucial years when we're, you know, kind of our frontal lobe may not be as um, <laughs> robust, um, you know, we kind of do that damage for the long term. Are there any other common myths that you hear from your own patients that you're finding you always have to dispel with them or educate them on around sun exposure? Well, yeah, I think I think the whole SPF 15, 30 and 50 is very confusing for most people. Uh, you know, even just you know, should you, even for the face in a woman, you know, the question would be, oh, my my moisturiser has sunscreen in it or my makeup mm-hmm. has sunscreen, is that enough? And it really isn't because it's about quantity also. So mm. that's one thing I say, you need a separate sunscreen that's lightweight, you know, ideally mineral-based, zinc, you know, it spreads on well. You really do want that separate. And then in terms of SPF, 30 and you know and 50 I think go for 50 plus and and the plus really means that it's more than 50 it's ideally an SPF 60 in the lab testing and you want to go for broad spectrum catch it all from UVB to UVA and the smarter sunscreens now have um, visible light protection and um, what's very exciting is sunscreen companies are getting clever you know they're putting antioxidants in there Mm -hmm. vitamin b3 so sunscreen's becoming more than just um, photo protection. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are still like, oh, sunscreens are so oily and they make me break out. And there's just so many good facial sunscreens on the market now. There's going to be one for everyone that isn't going to disrupt your normal skincare routine. Absolutely. I think that's been for me the most exciting change. Like cosmeceutical companies have kind of caught on. They're making really beautiful, lightweight ones. If you've got sensitive skin, go for a physical sunscreen that's micronized, you know, go for zinc. I'm always pro that. Um, you know, if you can, you know, lesser chemi- chemical ingredients, the better, you know, oxybenzones and all that stuff. If you can avoid it in your sunscreen, go for it. Um, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about sun exposure myths. I'm sure we'll have you back soon. And if you want to see Dr. Gunathisen, you can find her at Odermatology. Thank you again. Had a great time. Um, okay. Well, do you want to, do you want to intro Megzi? Sure. 
Um, it's the honor of my life to introduce Megan from our content team into this uh, little conversation that we're having about Bridal Makeup 101. <laughs> Megan, thank you for joining the podcast. Hello, everyone. Matt, that was the best intro I've ever had in my whole life. Thank you, doll. Uh, Megan, let's start with what are the key bridal products a bride-to-be must have? I don't know how much time we have, but I'm going to start with the night before prep. So I would say if you want to pamper yourself the night before, and I'm sure many brides are like setting stuff up and running around, but a teeth whitening strip, if that's your vibe, do -hmm. that the night before. You don't want to be slapping that on the morning of, can't talk Mm. properly, it's a bit awkward. Um, So if that's part of your beauty routine, do that the night before. Pop on a hydrating overnight mask. So something Mm -hmm. like an aspect probiotic mask Mm. before bed, that'll get you glowing Moisturize your body, something that a lot of people forget to do. Mm, Especially with a spray tan. Exactly, because even if your skin isn't normally dehydrated or like scaly, once you get that spray tan, it just like sucks all the moisture out of your skin. Mm -hmm. Um, So definitely do a nice full body moisturize before bed. Um, And then, I mean, Joe, this is more your domain, but I always say maybe just like the night before, just go for really hydrating ingredients in your skincare. Yes. Yeah, I would. Unless you're um you find that your skin tends to be a little bit dull or you tend mm. to be a little bit flaky. If you want a really smooth base for your makeup artist, if you already use liquid gold, I would say something like liquid gold and then the probiotic mask over the top. And then you're gonna mm. get really like double the glowy action. And also yep. it's gonna be really smooth for when your makeup artist applies your base. So yeah. I just don't go introducing actives the week before your wedding, please. Like if you're gonna start on actives, you're looking six months out. Do not start anything within a few weeks of your wedding because if you impair your barrier, we're up shit creek pretty much. Agree. Um, yeah, a lot of brides will come to me on their trial with really flaky skin because mm. they've just had all these procedures done and it's usually mm. like a few months out so it's safe zone. Um, but if it's like a month before and you're like, oh, might get something done to my skin, um, yep. just be really careful with your therapist. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's night before prep. Now let's just get into the actual day. Um, so I'm going to go through a list of my faves. This is no particular order. This is just like Mm -hmm. what's on heavy rotation in my kit for brides at the moment. Yep. Um, So Armani Luminous Silk. Joe, I know that you're not the biggest fan of this foundation, but Mm -hmm. in terms of looking glowy but still getting that super long wear, like sometimes you're wearing their makeup for like 18 hours or something. Exactly. Um, It really does go a long way. So I've actually been mixing Armani Luminous Silk with the Giorgio Armani Neo Nude. Oh, see, the Neo Nude's my preference because it's very light, but I couldn't wear that on my wedding day because it would just wear off by the end of the night. Exactly. So Mm. I I mix them two together so you get that beautiful glow, but then you still get the staying power. Mm -hmm. And then this is very much like a makeup artist product. It's definitely not like a sexy product, but the Krylon TV stick, I will mix Mm. that into almost every single makeup. So in terms of um, the glowy type of look, they're the most um, heavily rotated foundations. Mm-hmm. Um, if a client wants like a really, really matte look, I'll go for Estee Lauder Double Wear because I just find that that just sits really well on the skin and you still get that really nice flawless look without looking dull. Mm-hmm. And then if we're talking about primers, I've been using Napoleon Purtis Autopilot Primer for anyone that wants a really nice glow. Mm -hmm. Um, or hydration if they're feeling really dry and or a little bit flaky. 
if they want like an intense glow, like they're like, give me all the glow in the world, then I will actually go in with strobe cream on the high points of their face as prep. And I've actually been loving the look of that. So Mm -hmm. it's another little goodie. Um, If they are super oily, and to be honest, now that it's so hot here in Melbourne, everyone gets a little bit sweaty in the T-zone. So I've actually been using Shine Control Primer from Makeup Forever on... I would say almost all of my clients, even if it's just through the Mm -hmm. T-zone. Then moving down, in terms of concealers, I've been loving the Makeup Forever Ultra HD Concealer. I just find it such an all-rounder and it just glides onto the skin so beautifully. If anyone has like really, really stubborn pigmentation or something that they really want to cover up, the um, It Cosmetics Bye Bye Under Eye Concealer is just... I've never tried something that powerful in my life. I'm always a bit scared to use it when I when I. You can use go it. back to our TikTok and see how to cover her tattoo with that if you want to see it in action. Oh, oh my gosh, it is wild, and it actually does mm. brighten as well. Yeah. Um, then let's go into some cream products because I think we've kind of covered off the base now. I'm using a lot of cream products on brides at the moment, so the Anastasia Beverly Hills Stick Blushes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few different shades of them and they always look beautiful on the skin. The Benefit Hula Cream Bronzing Stick. I actually have that. Yeah, I it's like It's really that. good. Yeah. Same. No one really talks about it, but it's actually yeah. really great. And then when we're talking about eyes, I would have to go for matte paint pot and groundwork. It just yes. sets such a beautiful base, especially for mature clients who don't want mm. that really powdery look. Yes. And if I had to choose one palette because I thought, like who's going to have 50 palettes on them, Anastasia Beverly Hills Soft Glam for brides. Yeah, nice. And I'm done with the product. Okay, great. Good. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to really make sure. Long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I love that. Um, so for brides who are spending a very, very long day and they mm. need to obviously get a lot of wear out of their makeup, I guess you've got to be realistic about how long makeup is going to last, especially for people who touch their face a lot or obviously you're kissing people hello and you might get a little bit of movement. What touch-up items do you recommend they keep on hand or their bridesmaids keep on hand for them? Yes. Um, So definitely a lip liner. Mm -hmm. Underrated because people don't think they need a lip liner. You do need a lip liner. Mm. Um, So a lip liner, your lipstick or your lip gloss, whichever you're going for, or both if you're using both of them. Um, blotting paper. Now I know that this is a bit old school, a bit old school. Um, but it's really good to try before powder. Cause if you are touching up throughout the day constantly and you're packing powder, powder, powder the yes. whole time, it might look a bit rogue by the end of the day. Yeah. So if you blot, if you use blotting paper first on like a shiny zone and then go in with like a tiny bit of powder, that might be a little bit uh, more user-friendly for the face. Mm-hmm. Then I would definitely always pack a setting powder, One of my favourites is just the MAC Mineralized Skin Finish Mm -hmm. because it has a little bit of pigment to it as well. Yeah. And then in terms of brushes, a bronzer slash blush brush. If you're kissing people on the cheek and stuff like that, you probably could pack a bronzer or a blush as well because they're kind of the zones that will get interrupted by people kissing you on the cheek. If you're worried about, like, let's just say you've got bottom mascara on and it's going to smudge or something like that or you've been crying... Rather than packing your whole foundation, just bring a concealer because you can pretty Mm -hmm. much do a little touch-up with a concealer stick. It's much more compact and it'll still get the job done. With that, you will need a foundation brush so that you can just kind of blot in any concealer that you've used. 
Um, and then I would also just pack some lash glue just in case. Um, yeah. Megan, what do you yes. think about fragrances when it comes to weddings? Do you think, like, if people have, like, their own signature scent already, would they just wear that? Or do you have any favourites that you think are better suited for weddings? Yeah. Um, look, this is a really hard one because it's totally up to personal preference. Um, for instance, like, one of my girlfriends, I got married she'd been with her partner for like 10 years. So she actually wore the um, perfume that she used to wear in like year 10 or 11 that like he loved because it reminded him (laughs) of them. So like, if you want to go down the sentimental route, like do it. It's so sweet. And like, who really cares? Like no one's really going to notice what you're wearing on your wedding day. Yeah. I mean, I'd be, if that was me, I'd be wearing Britney Spears fantasy. So I probably won't do that. She, I'm that pretty it? sure she wore like one of the cult favorites, and I was like, "Are you legit going to wear that on your wedding day?" And she's like, oh, "I have to. It. That's what he wants." Um, oh, that's so cute. But uh, you do have to keep in mind that with a, a bridal fragrance, it has to kind of look good as well, because usually your photographer will want to line up your fragrance with the ring yeah. box and the earrings and all of that, and your shoes maybe. Um, so if I had to choose three. I would say Mason Crevelli Papyrus Molecular EDP. I love that one. Yeah, if you want to go, it's very like chic, very clean um, mm. looking as in like visually. But the scent, I don't know, Joe, I'd say it's like a sexy, smoky. Yeah. But it's also really fresh smelling. Like it smell, it does smell clean as well. Yeah, you love that one. I think yeah, I told I you. Do. I was like, I Joe, it. you'll like Yeah, this no, one. you did. Yeah, you yeah. got me onto it. Um, the other one I thought which is a nice, like, gender-neutral scent, um, who is Elijah, he's her. Mm, yes, another good if choice. If you want, like, a sweet, spicy, but will still look really clean in your photography. And then I thought if you want to go for, like, the really pretty route, you could do Chloe Signature, which is, like, yeah. that citrus, mm. like, very iconic, but will look really nice next to your um, other trinkets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- Bridal trends that you've noticed with your clients, what are they asking for? What's popular at the moment? Yeah, um, I would say definitely like overall glowing skin. Even if someone has oily skin, like through the T-zone, they still want like, you know, the high points of their face to be popping with glow. Mm -hmm. Really moved away from like the harsh liner look and going for more of like a diffused type of shadow Mm. um, look rather than like back to like six years ago, like the bridal look was, you know, you'd do your shadow and then you'd have this black liner with a wing mm. and then like a strip lash. Yes. <laughs> like that was the look. If you didn't have that, you kind of looked undone. Yeah. But now it's very much just shadows. I'm using a lot of brown gel liner, which is kind of mm. like smoked into the eyeshadow um, and definitely individual lashes over a strip lash, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a good move because they're a lot less uh, problematic in terms of shifting or moving throughout the day if you get oily uh, oily eyes, if you get watery eyes or if you're crying a little bit. Um, what other trends have I been seeing? Um, bronzy, goldy, peachy tones and neutral lips. Uh, Velvet Teddy and Modesty from MAC have gotten a heavy um, workout. Mm-hmm. Also another odd trend is no tight lining. So in the bottom, um, like mm. inner rim of your eye, like almost no one asks for that anymore. And okay. there was a time where if I left that out, like they'd look at me like, what are you yeah. doing? Why yeah. aren't you tight lining? Yeah. Um, Megan, what about finding a bridal makeup artist? How do you think someone goes about doing that? Yeah. Um, so I would say first 
determine the style of makeup that you like. Um, you need to kind of have an idea of what you want to achieve on the day. Um, once you've determined the style that you like, then I would just ask family, friends, colleagues first, because I have found within like the makeup world, most of them are um, word of mouth referrals. And if you've already asked someone like whether they like this artist or not, you can even ask about like chairside manner. Like, were they really calming on the day or were they like stressing you out? Yeah. Um, how were their hygiene practices? Did they use fresh spoolies for mascara? Um, how were they with communication? Could you get a hold of them? Would they respond to you? So you can really like vet it before even having to reach out to an artist. Then from there, like if you get referrals from family, friends, colleagues, whatever it is, then hit social media and also do your own research on social media. So do a little stalk from there. This is basically you're looking at their profile and you're using that as like kind of their portfolio to see whether you like their work or not. Mm. Be careful not to fall for overly edited imagery because editing apps are wild these days and you can add so much. Mm, good tip. Um, so always look out for reels or videos Make sure that they're not using a filter on it, obviously. Um, but always look out for real-time video evidence of their work because that shows exactly how it's going to be in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best way, once you've kind of shortlisted from all of your research, let's just say you've got like your top two or three, you've reached out to them for pricing and quotes, then just do a trial. I know it can be costly, but it is honestly the best way to ascertain whether it's a good match for you or not on the day. And then from there, you can ask them any questions you want during the trial because you're there with them for a good hour. So even if you have questions that aren't about the wedding day, if you just have random makeup questions, um, it's almost like a little one-on-one time with you and an artist. Mm. Um, Speaking of the pricing of things, Mm -hmm. weddings obviously can be extremely expensive, but how much should you expect to pay for your makeup as a bride, your bridal party, mother of a bride, et cetera, Mm -hmm. however many people you're having? And I know that you often go with another makeup artist, like you have, I guess, someone assisting you while you do the bride and they do other people in the bridal party. So how much should they expect to spend? What's standard at the moment? Yeah, this is a really sliding scale. Mm. Um, So definitely don't take this like word for word. If it's under this or over this, it's not badly priced. It just depends on the artist's individual expertise and their efficiency and that type of thing. Um, But I would say the the general average at the moment is anywhere from $100 to $150. Mm-hmm. And that is more so referring to like your mobile makeup. So they're coming to you and they're getting yourself and your bridal party ready. Now, as for kind of like payment structure, I would say there's two different avenues that you'll probably experience. So first there's the service-based pricing system. So let's just say the bride is priced at 140 for instance, but then it'll stagger downwards. So if the bride's 140, then your bridesmaids could be like 120 and then mother of the bride might be like $100. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is usually artists will spend a little bit longer on the bride. Yeah. Um, so that is one that you can expect. Another one is just like a flat rate per person fee. So mm-hmm. let's just say each person is anywhere from 100 to $150, let's just say 130 to be fair here. And then if they're traveling out to you, you should always expect a travel fee as well. Um, one other thing with 
uh, payment and I guess pricing is you need to look at how long that the artist has been in the industry for. So someone that's been in the industry for let's just say like eight to 10 years compared to someone that's been in the industry for like eight months will definitely price differently and that's mm. due to their, yeah, their expertise, their efficiency. And also their reputation as well. Exactly. Social media, I mean, it shouldn't necessarily be like this, but if someone has a high following and they're super in demand, um, basic economics, you can charge a lot more because you've got that demand there. So yeah, Mm. as for pricing, there's a few different factors, but they're the main elements. Well, that's a really good tip for any brides that are planning their weddings. Well, thanks for joining us to chat about bridal makeup, Megzi. We'll have you back soon again, I'm sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Always love it. Hey, Joe. Hey. Product we didn't know we needed time. Mm. My product I didn't know I needed is the Lab Series Pro LS All-in-One Face Treatment. Joe, I do want to ask mm-hmm. a question. Yes. Because you know how in the skincare community um, it's looked down upon if you have a three-in-one, you know, shampoo and body wash thing. Mm. What's the difference between that, which is bad, and this kind of all-in-one product, which is good? I'd say... Anything that's like a three-in-one from the supermarket, I'd be a bit sus on if that's where you're trying to like identify. Um, I would say, I mean, Lab Series is a good brand. It's specifically made for men. Um, So I'm not surprised that they have a multi-use product because men tend to not really follow a skincare routine. That's a very big generalization, but those with male partners will probably relate to that. Um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that one. Yeah, because I was wondering, you know, like, okay, you're saying, yeah, it's like a skincare brand for men. Do you reckon yeah. all that is is either they don't make it look too feminine and they make it super easy to use because yeah. there's just the expectation that guys won't have a 12-step skincare routine? Yeah, That's literally what skincare for men is. That's the only difference. Whenever guys say to me, so what men's skincare do I need to use? I'm like, you could use everything I use. There is no reason why you couldn't use every single thing that I use in my routine. But it's just that I think there's something about skincare and marketing (laughs) that just you can honestly market a men's brand and men will think that's made for me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> <Whereas like, laughs> most of us go, isn't that just the same as what I have? Yeah. Like, um, um, cause Eddie and I use the, um, Kiehl's facial fuel, which is really good. It's like a moisturizer that just yeah. feels super refreshing. But the fact that it's called facial fuel is just hilarious. <laughs> like that's what yeah. like you need to be like, all right, this is all right. Because you would never call a women's product <laughs> <No>. that. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm looking at the ingredients. I don't have a detailed ingredients list in front of me, but I've kind of got a rough idea. So it's got some hyaluronic acid and squalane in there. So that'd be good for giving you a bit of hydration, helping with your barrier. It's got some peptides in there, some caffeine. Yeah, I mean, that should be doing the trick. What I also like about it as well is that it's mattifying. So, you know how like my yes. whole thing was like, you know, when I put on uh, skincare products, I feel like all oily. You don't like looking greasy. like a glazed donut. Yeah, exactly. With this, yeah. like, doesn't look like that at all. It doesn't really look yeah. like you put product on. Again, I guess that's like a yeah. skincare for men thing, like not wanting to, exactly. to look like yeah. you've done anything. Yeah. <laughs> Leave no trace. Yeah. But um, Yeah, they've done a good job with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lab Series and Ailing It. <laughs> um, so mine is 
the Essie Nail Care Quickie Quick Dry Drops. Now, for those who are OG uh, listeners of this podcast, I have been obsessed with the OPI Drip Dry Drops for years and I had never strayed from them. I was very loyal. Um, and then I started to find that when I was leaving them in my beauty room that I'm currently sitting in that gets quite hot, that they were almost evaporating. And I thought, that's really annoying because this is a really small little jar of products, only nine mil, and you're paying almost 25 bucks for that. And I was like, mm, it just doesn't seem right. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to try the Essie version and see how comparable they are. Maybe OPI is elite. I don't know. So I bought the SE ones, they're $20 and you get 13.5 mils. So significantly more product than the OPI version. And I would say that they are very, very similar. My only criticism would be that the SE ones are messier, but I haven't found that they're evaporating at all. So I do like that there's more product in the um, little, what would I even call it? Jar? Yeah, a little jar. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, there's definitely a better word for that. I just can't think of it. Um, they're definitely not evaporating, which is really good. Um, but yeah, they are definitely messier. And I do find that my hands are like oilier afterwards. But is that worth it for a cheaper product and more product? I don't know. How is it messier? As in like it just it just goes everywhere or? It just goes everywhere. I don't even know how to explain it. I, I had a couple of people say that to me as well. Like, oh, I use the SE ones. They're great, but they are messier. Like I've had a few people say the same thing. Yeah. So I think, look, it is, there's pros and cons to both. Mm. And I still would use the OPI ones, but I'm just worried that they would evaporate in this hot room. I need, would need to keep them in like a cool place instead of leaving them on like my desk in direct sunlight where obviously the product is evaporating because there's like a little dropper on the top yeah um so yeah that's just that's mine for today is the se one i think it's really good it's cheaper you get more product but do be aware that it is messier so if you're not someone that can deal with a lot of like oiliness all over your hands after you paint your nails um or you're running around after kids as soon as you paint your nails maybe not the best option go for the opi but yeah i just wanted to bring that comparison to everyone's um attention yeah no i get that with vape juice when i'm changing the juice in my vaporizer it gets all over your hands <laughs> joe um i are you not rocking a <laughs> are you not rocking a beauty fridge yet for all of your products like to keep it no i don't have a beauty how fridge. do you not have one that's i actually don't know how do i not have a beauty fridge I'd probably, if I did have one, I'd probably have to have it in this beauty room that I record from. Yeah, your um, because I've got packed, no room in it? my bathroom. Yeah. I've got yeah, I've got a trolley. I've got an etoile, um, like Lazy Susan. Yeah, with other skincare on it that I that I'm trialing. So I have them like separated into like OG skincare on the trolley, and then like trial skincare. Yeah, okay. On the Lazy Susan, and then like you know face pads and stuff like that. Sorry, cotton pads, but. Yeah, I, I don't think I have any space left on in my bathroom for a skincare fridge. And we don't have much storage in this house. I'd say it's worth having that in yeah. your office, yeah. Yeah, you know what, maybe you're right. Maybe I do need to buy one. Oh, I also want to say, you know, how I did that update um, for my deodorant the other week? Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that was last week or the week before. Yeah, yeah. Someone from Rexona DM'd <laughs> me on Instagram and was like, I'm going to send you the clinical protection women's ones from Rexona so that you can try them. Because I said I usually use men's deodorant. <laughs> she was like, we need to get you off men's deodorant. No, but we were saying how good Rexona is. Rexona is like the best. Yeah. Well, I'm using the Mitchum one at the moment anyway. So we'll see how the Rexona stacks up. Uh, I'm really keen to see whether that 
that does the trick. But yeah, and keep you posted. Yeah, for sure. Let's, they let's are not keep... a sponsor of the show, and we do not range Rick's owner. <laughs> but <laughs> but we need to call out quality products yeah, when they're there. Hundred percent. Um, I really am appreciative of you, Joe. For um, you know, last week we were talking about paired eyewear and about how yes. I would love one of their sunglasses because I have an eye condition yeah. and I need to wear sunglasses. Um, and I just don't find any that work. Um, you shared a photo of me wearing paired sunglasses to your Instagram Some, and tagged them. A listener, I reckon this listener had your back and was like, yeah. can you share a photo of the paired saints? She knew what she was doing. 100%. She had your back. Yep. So I think I should send you her profile to thank her yeah, 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 specifically because yep. uh, she knew what she was doing. But still, they have not sent you a pair of the sunglasses. So maybe you guys should also DM paired eyewear and say, hey, Matt is a big fan. <laughs> you know what? I'll give you some of that Rexona if you don't get a, p- a pair of paired eyewear. Wow, what a wonderful life I live. That's amazing. <laughs> um, you know what would be awesome? What we should do? Mm. Use your mm. um, platform on Instagram and yeah. every now and then we get a guest, get a listener to come on the podcast and just talk about some product that they want, but it's too expensive. <laughs> and then you post that to your Instagram and see if they can get it for free. <laughs> yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I'll think about it. Cool. Great. Well, I do hope to see you next week. You've really been a joy to be around uh, during this period of Hannah's um, absence. Thanks, but. Joe. I would be glad to have her back, but also would miss you at the same time. Yep. So Yeah, it's mixed feelings. Yeah, we'll see. Yep. Maybe here, maybe not. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.